The, the crazy thing about being attracted to an opposite is my strengths happen to be the things that Lee is Balance. weak Yeah. Yes. And the things that she's really, really good at are the areas that I struggle. Uh, it's her wheelhouse. And so when you're willing to combine your strengths, man, you make a solid couple. And one of the things we learned early in marriage is it is best if you will quit trying to change your spouse because you, you try to fix them. You, know, you think, hey, they're broke. They need to be more like me. And if I could work on them to fix them to make more like me, it would work. And when we realized, hey, it's about blending together, not her changing me and not me changing her, but accepting one another for who we are, um, you're going to constantly learn things about your spouse that either you didn't know or your spouse changes. Uh, Lee and I are people who realize all the time, we change all the time. Things yeah. that I needed when I was uh, in my 20s are not things that maybe I need when I'm in my 50s. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to Last In Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last In Line Podcast. Hey, I want to welcome Trey Morgan to Last In Line Podcast. He and his wife, Lee, have been doing marriage ministry for decades. They've been married 34 years. They have four grown sons. They conduct marriage workshops every month and are booked out for the next two and a half years. Uh, they have three books, two of them bestsellers. We talk a lot about marriage, of course. We talk about differences in our spouse, how it's good that opposites attract, that our needs change. We talk about love languages, how we can check in and see if those have changed, which most likely they have. See what our hot buttons are, see what we respond to and communicate. And it, But it's all about understanding each other, compromising. It's all about grace. It's all about mercy and understanding and forgiveness. And uh, Trey talks a lot about his workshops and some of the premises that they have and concepts that they really uh, try to reinforce and so we talk about compatibility, we talk about core team, dating your spouse constantly, making the effort, right? And we talk about how to resolve conflict, how to de-escalate, how to create ways to understand when it becomes inflammatory and the situation starts to get hot and how to step away, how to uh, just some practical application to resolution of those situations and then community how to have a couple of uh, mentors in the Christian marriage space, people that you look up to, people who have done it right for years, and uh, really having those friends that maybe you can talk to uh, aside from your spouse because they're not obviously wired to take on all of our burdens, all of our weights, all of our insecurities and those things. So it's good to have single uh points of contact so men having men when having men have women having women and then uh groups mentors of couples so we talk a lot about it. we talk from pretty much soup to nuts on this but i think you're going to walk away better i think you're going to walk away un with a clearer understanding of how to make your marriage stronger so with that help me welcome trey morgan to last in line podcast trey morgan man good to have you welcome to last in line podcast I am excited to be here, and it is an honor to be on your show. Thank you, man. Uh, I'm glad we connected. I'm glad we juggled some things in the afternoon today to make this work. Uh, you know, the new year presents a lot of challenges and opportunities that are actually refreshing in some degree. And then some people, uh, you know, are, are maybe dreading because uh, if they've had a hard year. But in relation to marriage, which is right in your swim lane, you and your wife, do uh, an impactful, powerful ministry with workshops with for marriage and everything, you know, right in line with this show, faith-based foundation. Uh, so we're going to dive in to some of the 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 spokes in the wheel uh, that is marriage, and we're going to talk to you that. 
about your just kind of your expertise a little bit. So maybe give us a background because I mean your 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 bio. I know you said you're not a big bio guy, but I mean what you've done speaks for itself. And and you've got you know you've published three books. You've had two bestsellers. You guys do workshops all over the country. Um, been married 34 years with four grown boys. I mean that's not nothing. So talk to us. Take us through some of Trey Morgan's journey. Well, we, my wife and I were high school sweethearts or youth group sweethearts is really the, the truthful way to put it. We went, we grew up going to the same church and, and fell in love uh, in the, the youth group at church. And before you knew it, uh, right out of high school, we got married and went off to school together. Um, we are both, both my wife and I are in full-time ministry. Uh, I am a, a senior minister, uh, pastor, whatever you want to call it for a church in Childress, Texas. My wife is a children's minister for the same church. We work together. Um, we've been, we've been doing this for the last, uh, I guess we've been married 34 years, 34 years, about 33 years. So we did have a year of school together before we started doing, doing ministry. And we got very involved in, we, as a young married couple who did not know what they were doing, uh, we went to every marriage workshop, every marriage retreat. Uh, we read a ridiculous amount of marriage books, um, and it just became passionate to us. We we loved relationships. We loved talking about relationships. We had marriage Bible studies and classes in our home. And then about maybe 10, 12 years ago, um, somebody asked us, a church asked us in the Dallas area to come to a, a retreat for them. And, and, and we did. And I actually was the one that did this, did all the speaking and my wife came with me and, and somebody at that retreat went home to their church and said, let's do this at our church. And, and then before you knew it, within about two years, we, we were doing one about every month. And um, we, we had changed from a retreat based, you know, to a, Hey, let's do it in a church building and invite the community to come. And, and churches realized that their community will show up for a, a, a marriage workshop a whole lot better than they'll show up sometimes for a revival or a, a gospel meeting. And, and uh, it's, we've been doing this for about 12, 13, maybe more than that years. And we, we, we do 12 a year. We do 12 workshops a year speaking engagements and uh, then have several other kind of things on top of that. But uh, we, we speak to thousands of couples a year. We're very blessed to get to do that all over the U.S. Um, we, we stay booked up. We're booked up about two and a half years out right now. Um, we have just come back from a marriage cruise uh, where we took about, I don't remember, 60, 70 couples with us. Uh, went to Cozumel, turned around, came back, you know, and and so wow. we love doing marriage. God kind of opened the doors. We, you know, people always ask, how did you do this? And we're like, we don't know. Um, mm -hmm. We just kind of started getting calls and, and then, and then social media kind of came out and we thought, well, let's put some stuff on social media and yeah, work from there. And, and it took off on Facebook. And then I, we had a son who's big into, um, he, that's his business is, is, uh, social media and marketing on, on the internet. And he said, dad, y'all need to be on, uh, on Instagram and on, on Twitter. And we got on there and our, our, yeah. our sites have really done well. We've been very blessed with that. And so we're able to reach, we think a lot of people in, in our world, not just our country with a message about healthy marriages. And mm -hmm. we think that there are some really simple guidelines on how mm -hmm. to do marriage that God designed for marriage. And when you follow God's rules for how to do marriage and relationships, mm -hmm. man, they work so good and so smooth and so fulfilling and so rewarding. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's all we're trying to share is just God's simple plan for how to do marriage. Yeah. A husband and a wife. That's, I mean, that that could translate to pretty much any other aspect of life, especially marriage, right? I mean, the first union in the Bible uh, being this marriage component. And so I, you can agree with me when, when I say I've scratched my head watching where the marriage institution, the, the cultural narratives that are kind of being twisted and and some of the real darkness that's out there. And we don't have to get on a diatribe about all that, but I will say it's nice to have somebody like you and, and your wife actually, you know, spreading the truth that's out there and actually shining more light 
and enough people do that, I think we'll, we'll make it a footprint in that, but man, uh, you've got three books out there. Um, I want to maybe ask just real quick without dissecting each one of the books completely. What's your favorite? If you had to pick kind of one that was just stirred you up every day when you went to work on it. And then you, maybe you, it got confirmed whenever you saw the reception and feedback from it. So did you have one that kind of stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like asking which kid's your favorite, but yeah, uh, I almost but phrased our, it that first way. One, our first one would be our favorite because we were overwhelmed. It just in my mind, I never dreamed that we could write a book. I just didn't think we had it in us. We, we, we felt like we had the information. We just didn't know how there was a lot of stuff. We didn't know what to do. And, and we just, we would do workshop after workshop and people would say, you need to put some of this material in a book for people who can't come to your workshop. And so we actually spent a week, we had a, a, a nice person who said, go stay in our cabin in the mountains for a week. And we loaded up and went up and, and we wrote for nearly 10, 12 hours a day. That is all we did. Sun up, sundown, we'd go for a walk every now and then to clear our minds. And we knocked out about 95% of that book that week. Uh, it was all here. It was all in our head. But uh, we knocked most of that out. Uh, the Our books, the first one is more of a marriage book, your typical marriage book on how to make marriage work, some some way God designed marriage, 10, 10 ways to a stronger marriage. And, uh, and that's got to be my favorite because that one really was the one that set us back to go, we did it. Well, you know, I can't believe we wrote a book, but it also is one that we hear more feedback on that has blessed people. And so that makes a big difference. That's great. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's one of those books that we, we think is still, even though it's three years old, extremely, extremely relevant today with, especially some of the topics that we put in there that were very different than, than a lot of, a lot of things that are in marriage books today. Yeah. Well, good. And, and I bet you, so what you'll find out about me and my audience kind of knows this, but I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to catchy, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to think now, uh, but alliteration is a big deal for me. I like, you know, abbreviations. I like different things. So I've got four C's for you today that we're going to cover. Uh, but before I do that, I want to run through a couple stats here and then I want you to maybe I'm sure you you have some stats that you use repetitively about marriage, about maybe divorce, and and there's some big ones that stand out. But these these I looked up real quick, uh, and I wanted to see what you thought of this because it's I was like I don't know about it. I was a little confused with that. But it says in 2020, okay, so obviously right in the heart of the pandemic, so 630 and change thousand divorces in 2020. So you know, getting up there north of half a million. Um, but during the pandemic, it says divorces fell 20%. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm shocked because I thought divorces would have skyrocketed during the pandemic. Um, but also the average length of a marriage in the United States is less than 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what to make of all that. You tell me, like, how do we put some context around that? And maybe tell me if any of those kind of stand out as to, eh, I don't know if I believe that or, yep, that confirms everything I've been hearing. Well, I think I think it does confirm a couple of things. Number one, uh, when the world shut down and stopped and had to spend face-to-face -face time with each other, uh, <laughs> what you had was couples that all of a sudden were communicating and spending time together and renewing friendship, renewing uh just time together that was healthy. And, and the average couple today, the average couple today gets literally four minutes a day face-to-face -face talking, which is not enough. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's mm -hmm. one of the big reasons the divorce rate wow. is what it is. You can't mm -hmm. survive in a marriage on four minutes a day. Now, a lot of couples will go, hey, we spent a whole two hours watching a movie last night. Hey, that's not counted. We're talking yeah. four minutes of we're going to sit down and talk and have a cup of coffee together or whatever it is. Four minutes a day isn't going to work. And during 2020, all of a sudden, couples were getting a lot of time together and they were figuring out, hey, let's let's spend time together. Let's play games together. Let's do some stuff together. Uh, and it was a healthy time for families and marriages. Now, not all marriages work that way, but it was a healthy time. You saw families out riding bikes together and playing games together. And, mm -hmm. you know, my dream for the family and Lee was the one that actually said it first was, 
you know, I hope when the pandemic's over that families don't go back to being so busy that they don't have time to spend together. You know, hopefully they'll see that, hey, this was good for us. And unfortunately, I think families have gone right back to let's let's do 42 things and barely see each other, not have time to sit down and eat together. And mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah, yeah. It, when you get time together, it's healthy for marriages. It's healthy for families. And and that's one of the things that really stands out to me is is. You just, it's hard to be best friends with a person you're married to if you never spend time with them. Yeah. And and I thought you said 40 minutes, but you said four minutes. Four, that's four that's, minutes. that's astonishing. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's astonishing. That's, I mean, that is just, yeah. It's not surprising that we're, we're, we're hanging on by a thread sometimes in marriages. And to your point, I guess years of developing wrong habits or bad habits, it might take more than just, you know, 18 months of, of quarantine to break some of those. But I would think some people created like a template that, you know, Hey, this is a new normal. We can do this. Like, let's, let's change. Let's turn our 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 habits and and routines upside down and let's try something different because we're forced to and I think some people probably did do that. Uh so before I get into my four Cs, uh I do have a question. So this might even just be from a selfish standpoint. My son's getting married in June. So I've mm-hmm. got a couple of bullet points about newlyweds for uh for you some questions. What you think about that whole dynamic. So truth or myth here, opposites attract. Is that just a societal myth over the years? Were you and your wife spitting images of each other? Talk about a little bit of it's okay to be a yin and a yang for each other. Absolutely. 100% opposites attract. And that's actually a very healthy thing. I think actually that's the way that God designed it. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think most people who are honest, if I would have married somebody like just like me, I would have driven myself crazy or, or you know, (laughs) Uh, opposites attract. It's a healthy thing. What we have learned in 34 years of marriage is that I'm the extrovert. She's the introvert. I'm, I'm unorganized. She's organized. We, the, the crazy thing about being attracted to an opposite is my strengths happen to be the things that Lee is balance. Yeah. Yes. And the things that she's really, really good at are the areas that I struggle uh, it's her wheelhouse. And so when you're willing to combine your strengths, man, you make a solid couple because all of a sudden, um, Lee, who is very organized and and, and very uh, planning and very organized in the sense of I mean, yeah. boy, she pays the bills and she yeah. does the checkbook and things that are just way out of my, you know, I'd have everything messed up. Um, and I'm the one that, hey, I'll call so-and-so and take care of this because yeah. well, I'm good with talking on the phone or whatever. Same it is. as me. You learn, you learn your strengths and you as a couple and you rely on those, man. You you let the the person who is good at that deal with it. And so yeah, I think it is a I think it is a truth. Opposites attract. And I think that's one of the things that God said, this is a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, and and so tell me if it so it seems pretty simple when you put it that way. It seems straightforward. It seems kind of like a slam dunk. But why do we struggle? Why are we we as people? If it's not just as simple as pride, what is it about our differences, or why can't we embrace that whole? Hey, I balance her out. She balances me out. Why is it a competition? Why do we gotta go after each other's opposites instead of embracing those? Well, we we grew up and we're 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 people that's self-sufficient people. We're people with with pride. We're people that want things our way. And so the fact that uh, even after 34 years of marriage in my marriage, uh, we realized that we're teammates and we work well together, yet there are still times where I want her to do things my way, or I want her to see things my way. And one of the things we learned early in marriage is it is best if you will quit trying to change your spouse because you you try to fix them. You know, you think, hey, they're broke. They need to be more like me. And if I could work on them to fix them to make more like me, it would work. And when we realized, hey, it's about blending together, not her changing me and not me changing her, but accepting one another for who we are, working on the areas that we really need to refine that aren't really good, healthy areas. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's a, it's something that's got to be done and couples just have to balance that. There's something about yeah. living with another person uh, that is yeah. going to times at times drive you nuts. But that's a lot right. of that has to do with the fact that, you know, I, I, I'm, I want things my way and sometimes right. she didn't see it my way. 
Yeah. And before I steal my own thunder, I got to be careful on some of these questions I ask because it might dip into some of these other buckets that I've got planned. So if you're like me, though, you, you can prepare an outline all day, but I can tell you right now, we're going to be all over the place and we're just going to yeah, flip it upside right. down. I'm good that's with that. totally that fine with me. me. Happy. Uh, so, okay. So newlyweds in, in that regard. Okay. First five years, let's just say, um, what do you wish you would have known? Uh, I, well, number one, I wish I'd have known that it wasn't my job to fix her, that there I didn't yeah. change her, yeah. that I needed to accept her for who she was, that she was my teammate and not right. new opponent that showed up in my life. Yeah. That my job was not to see if I could win an argument, but to see if we could settle an argument. And, and for about the first five years, we both butted heads a lot trying to figure out, you know, realizing that, Hey, we're teammates. We're, we're, we either win together or we lose together. It's not a, I win, you lose or vice versa. And so those are two things I wish I'd learned early as a, as a young husband. What about backgrounds? Like what about families growing up? If you're, you know, what role does that play in sort of what you saw, what she saw, if you came from a broken home and one didn't, I mean, in-laws, outlaws, all that, what, what role does that play in some of that first five years of getting to know each other? Well, it does play a big, it does play a big role. It is huge for people, uh, for, for people who have grown up in families where they've seen a mother and a father and a healthy marriage, because they take that into their marriage, knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. kind of going, I understand that, uh, I've seen my dad do this or my mom do this. And so, uh, if you've come from a broken home and you have come from a single parent and you've never seen a, a marriage and how marriage is done, or maybe you've seen a very dysfunctional marriage, then there's going to be some struggles as you try to figure out because you, you don't know. And that's why I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah. that's why boy, we pound out to these parents today. Your job is to model a healthy marriage. Your kids, they're in your school of marriage. And it is essential that they see what marriage looks like. You can't just be mom and dad all the time. You got to be husband and wife. You need to be affectionate. You need to be dating. You need to be doing all these things that a husband and wife still do while you're raising kids because your kids need to learn that so that they'll grow up and know how to do marriage. That's right. That's right. And I actually just released a podcast today about, uh, and I think part of it was talking about a household hierarchy and that they need to see that the mom, their mom comes before them in, in the husband's world and vice versa. Um, Okay. All right. So I've been walking this tightrope of dipping into some of this, putting the cart before the horse, moving all over the place. So we're going to get right in here. All right. I got four C's for you and I'm going to throw them all out at you at once. And then okay. I'm going to try so to go ahead. I don't want to skip ahead on a seat. Yeah, right. I'm gonna, yeah. You better give them all to me. I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to get it in order here, but I don't, you know, if we don't, we don't. Okay. So here we go. So I've got compatibility. I've got courting. I've got conflict and I've got community and it's a little different spin on some of these. So, uh, Compatibility. Let's just start there. I mean, that kind of folds nicely into the the parlay of newlyweds and how compatible we are, differences, opposites. All right. Does compatibility, once you kind of get in that that rhythm, okay, and you develop a cadence in your marriage and you've realized you can't fix them, right? You realize they're different and that's kind of okay. Uh, does that compatibility thing wither over time? And if it does, kind of what are what are some some what are some red flags we can look for? What are some ways we can prevent that? Well, if I can back up for just a second, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's back up to dating for a second. And just in case somebody's listening to this as dating first, yeah. when you're dating, that is the time for you to evaluate your, your goal in that relationship, evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. Can I live with this person? Do they have the same belief system while they may be different from me and opposites? That's okay. But there's some huge things you need to talk about that that sometimes if you don't talk about them, you it's yeah. just not smart. Do you want children? What is yeah. your faith? Uh, can 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 you if you are a person, you know, because to me, faith is important enough that, hey, if, if you're a person of, of no faith and I'm not sure that this is a area that we need to be dating and continuing this. Um, some non-negotiables. Yeah. 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 Is a person you're dating got a temper and, and, or a flaw in their personality that you're thinking, man, that's not good. Are they, do they struggle with honesty? Do they struggle with whatever it is? And so these are red flags you need to be looking for before you marry, because you can't right. go into marriage going, Hey, they got a bunch of issues, but we'll fix it after we get married. Because sure. that 
doesn't work that way. You got to fix it before you get married or it ain't going to change. Yeah. And so that compatibility, you got to go into marriage knowing, hey, she wants kids and I want kids. Uh, we both, you know, we're both believers in God. We're, you know, and so there's some basic black and white right. uh, that you got to have. Right. Now, once you go into marriage, um, you're going to constantly learn things about your spouse that either you didn't know or your spouse changes. Uh, Lee and I are people who realize all the time we change all the time. Things yeah. that I needed when I was uh, in my 20s are not things that maybe I need when I'm in my 50s. Yeah, uh, There are things I need now that, uh, that I really didn't care about 10 years ago. And so mm -hmm. the compatibility is going to be, I need to learn to love my spouse different ways because they're going to change and I'm going to change and, and you become a student of your spouse. I want to learn what it is my wife likes and what it is my wife loves and, and what she needs in her life. And if that's something she needs, even though it may not be anything I need or even understand why she needs it, I'm more than happy to meet that need if that's something that she needs because it blesses my marriage. Yeah. Uh, and so compatibility is something that I don't think ever stops in marriage because you're constantly working through things like, uh, hey, yeah. I've kind of changed the way I like to do this, or maybe yeah. my my favorite ice cream flavor changed, yeah. or you know, I don't like going here anymore, and we used to go here. So yeah. it's it's a constant. Hey, one one of the best things you can be is teachable as a as a spouse. Or I agree, a, I agree, and I think so. A friend of mine, Dr. John Deloney, uh, is a is a mental health expert, and he's in the Ramsey Network, and he's got a radio show, and he's been on here a couple times, and. He made a point a few weeks ago to me that that kind of blew up in my mind. He's not big on the word communication. He's big on the word connection. So I, I think to to your point, we got to build in some check in points, like with our spouse. We got to sit down and maybe just revisit some stuff. Like, hey, I noticed you didn't seem to respond to this, and it you know ten years ago that was your. That was a hot button for you. And now, so let's let's kind of go through some of this stuff. Do we need to pivot on the ways that we meet each other's needs? Do we need to did the love languages change? That's a big one. Did you do you are you a big are you big in favor of the love languages? Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. And and that does change. And and we are big love language people. And and our love languages do at times, you know, I need this more, I need this. And then a year or two later, it's like, no, I need this one. <laughs> and so yeah, you're you're spot on on that. And Interestingly enough, anything that we do generally in the workplace requires continuing education right. where we have to sit down and go, I need to learn how to be a better salesman. I need to learn how to be a better whatever it is that we do. Yeah. And so all of a sudden in relationship and in marriage, uh, we come along and we quit trying to learn. You know, we we don't listen to podcasts. We don't read a marriage book. We don't go to a marriage retreat. We don't try to learn our spouse. Uh, we don't have communication or connection with them like we should. Yeah. And it's a it's a continual thing. If you want a good marriage, it's it, it requires those things. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And and I will ask you too under this compatibility piece is is we just grew apart or we fell out of love. Is that, a, is that a cop out? Is that just kind of an easy rip cord for people that don't know how, or don't have the energy to work on something? Well, I believe it's possible, but I, I don't believe it's, I don't believe that it's what they think it is. Meaning I, I personally don't think you can fall out of love. Right. Love is a choice. It's something you do every day. Right. And so if you fall out of love, my first question is going to be, so you're saying you, you, you know, love is an action. You don't want to love your spouse anymore. Get up and love them. Do it through actions. Most of the time when people say I fall out, I fall out of love, what they've done is they've fallen out of friendship. They've, they've gotten so busy in life with kids, hobbies, work, business, that they're not spent, they're getting four minutes a day together and they're going, hey, that connection's not there anymore. And maybe we fall Hey, before we get back to the conversation here with our guest, I want to thank uh, one of our sponsors, a new partner, Uncommon, which is a ministry that is equipping uh, and empowering great men to become the husbands, the fathers, and leaders they were called to be. Go to uncommon.org. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-E-N.org. Check out their content. Go to Uversion, download their devotionals. 
great team, great people, great men, and they're out there for you. They're out there with great content, and they're out there to encourage us to be the men we were called to be. So I want to thank TJ and his team at Uncommon. So now let's get back to the conversation with our great guest here at Last In Line Podcast. You just need to re connect you need to take a trip together you need to spend some time together you need to have a whole lot more than four minutes a day together and so you know rekindle that friendship and that's the that's the connection that really really needs to be there that's great no that's good i agree with you that i don't believe in the falling out love i think that's just uh uh masquerading as laziness um all right so courting let's go to the second one here courting uh man we pursued it like it was a, you know, antelope in the wild on National Geographic before we got married. So where I hate to put negative spins on these questions, you know, like, why don't we pursue our spouse? So let me do it differently. What makes you good at pursuing your spouse on a daily basis or a weekly basis, whatever? What makes you, Trey Morgan, successful at that? How, what keeps it in the forefront of your mind? Well, it's something you learn and it's going to be intentionality in mm-hmm. sense that you have to learn. I'm going to be intentional with pursuing. Uh, most wives have fallen in love with their with a man who pursued them, uh, with a guy who brought them flowers and sent them text messages and took them on dates. And they marry that guy. And so many men and it's a it's a man thing. So many men, much like hunting deer. You know, yep, it's like, yep. well, I got him and he's on my wall back here. Why do I need to pursue him anymore? That relationship's dead. Well, your marriage isn't dead. Uh, it's still alive and she still needs pursued. She still wants to get the flowers. She still wants the text messages. That's a man she fell in love with. And we tend to be people that uh, kind of in a couple of years of marriage kind of go, why, why do I need to send flowers? You know, I mean, she's my wife. Uh, why do I need to send, why I need to tell her I love her? She knows that I love her. Uh, and we have got to step up as men to pursue. And, and I love talking to the men because I think if the men pursue, I think the women jump right in there and they do the same yeah, thing. I, of I think women easily go, Hey, you know, take me on dates and bring me little surprises. And next thing yeah. you know, she's, she's chasing you back. It don't That's require right. a lot of work. But uh, yeah. men have got to continue to court. And, and that's one of the things men struggle with. And one of the things we talk to men about in our workshops is, hey, your job is to step up. And uh, if you sent flowers before you got married, married, you need to be sending flowers today. If you sent those texts, if you opened that door, if you told her she was beautiful. And I know that every man out there was the one before marriage that was going, hey, are you busy Friday night? Can we go out? And, and now they kick back going, well, just kind of let me know if you want to go out and get everything planned and I'll show up. Uh, and, and I'm like, no, you husband, no. step up, you know, yeah. bring it, bring it. You know, you did before yeah. marriage and you yeah. would ask her on Friday night and then on Saturday. Um, yeah. And then we kind of get lazy and just kind of turn everything over and go, well, just let me know if we're going somewhere or doing yeah. something. No, uh, I I agree. I mean, pursuing is 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 purposeful. You know, it's not reactionary. Like you said, it's it's on purpose. And there's got to be uh, guys like a chase, right? But but we that like you said to to the that was a great analogy about the deer. I mean, like that that relationship's not dead. It's not a trophy. You know, now it's it's leaving living and breathing and, and it's growing. It it can continue to grow. So I, I guess the kids need to see too this affection and intimacy that doesn't always have an ulterior motive like guys have that says this will get me in the bedroom, right? Like, like yes. we need to develop that, I think. Yes. And, and men are some men, they just don't, they, they forget, but you know, before marriage, we're winning them. We're pursuing them because we want them to be our wife. Um, and then what happens a lot of times is we don't pursue our wives after we marry unless we're trying to get to the bedroom. Right. And your wife wants to be pursued in places other than the bedroom. Yep. In fact, you'll find it a whole lot easier to pursue her in the bedroom and, and catch her uh, if you pursue her outside the bedroom. And that's why they, you know, people have always said things like, you know, um, sex starts in the kitchen, meaning, hey, yep. serve your wife in the kitchen and, yep. and, try to do nice things for your wife in the other parts of the house 
before getting to the bedroom all day long, you know, get up in the morning and fix her coffee and send yeah. her a text midday and tell her you've been thinking about her today and you can't wait to see her until she get off work. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask her if you can bring takeout, just do little things all the time to pursue her. And, and, you know, no woman wants to feel like the only time my husband wants to pursue me is when he wants to have sex. Yeah, no. And <clears throat> excuse me, I, I would, I would say too. um, that love language, keep going back to that. But but I think that's important because that when you're pushing the right buttons that she responds to, not what you respond to, but what she responds to, they may not be your love language, but it's all about her, not about you. I think those yield fruit down the road. I know they do. And so it's got to be one of those where we take our eyes off ourselves, you know, yeah. and what we need, right? So, so let me tell you a, a quick story one time that helped me to understand yeah. how this works. My wife's love language is acts of service. She feels loved yeah. when I do things to serve her, mm-hmm. uh, like fill up her car with gas or take it and get the oil changed or wash it or make the bed. Things around the house that I do that are usually on her list mm-hmm. uh, that I can come in and do. She feels loved. So we're driving down the road one day, headed somewhere for a workshop where we're speaking and, and I'm thinking, let's spend some time talking about our marriage. And I said, hey, babe, what are some things that I do that you find really romantic? And I'm thinking, you know, anytime I'm thinking romance, I'm thinking sex. Uh, women generally think other things about romance. And so I'm thinking mm-hmm. she's going to say some really sexual things that I do because I'm thinking, man, I'm going to I'm going to do these more often. So I say, hey, babe, what are some things that I do that you find extremely romantic? And she almost immediately answers when you fill up my car with gas. And I, I was shocked. I actually said, what? You know, I was confused. I said, that has nothing to do with sex. And she replied immediately, it does. You just don't realize it. Wow. Uh, and and it was it was my way of learning that she she needs romance different than I need romance. You know, she she sees romance completely different. And yeah. the fact that she find, found it extremely romantic that that I take care of her and open doors for her and mm-hmm. and, and fill her car up with gas where she doesn't have to go and, and do that. She found that romantic. And I learned right then that it's not always about flirting and and things that happen in the bedroom with romance. You better learn what your wife thinks is romantic and do it. That's so good, man. And it took you asking the question, too, exactly. I think is what's important. Important. Uh, you can't just assume too much. Uh, all right, let's move in right along. You're, you're two for four, man. You're knocking these okay. out of the park. You're batting 500. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Conflict, of course, always comes up. Um, communication is part of that, obviously. And and help us help us get better right now about disarming maybe inflammatory conversations, maybe something that's getting heated, um, maybe how we can avoid it getting to that point or what we do when we realize that the <laughs> it's a grease fire in the middle of the conversation, help us pull the ripcord on that one a little better than we normally do. Well, conflict is, is normal in, in marriage. Now, if it's something that's happening all the time, then there's something may not be right. Mm-hmm. In fact, when a problem arises in a marriage, there's, you got, two ways to fix it. And we always, I always tell people, you know, when people write in, they go, how do I fix this? And I go, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can learn to live with it. And I don't think you want to do that or you wouldn't be writing me right now. Or two, you're going to have to bring it up and have some conflict. That's just life. Conflict will get you back to the point where you want to be uh, or where you came from. So you can't just avoid conflict and you can't just be scared of conflict. Sometimes you have to have conflict. Lee and I have some conflict every now and then. We have to talk about some really tough subjects. And and one of the best ways to do it is to, we have, you know, we'll sit down and have a, hey, can we have some time to talk tonight? I've got something that's on my heart. I know that that's something, whatever it is, it's going to be big to her. And we need to sit down and visit about this. Um, and and the main thing that we can do is, and, and we try to do it, we, we try to keep our calm. We don't think we don't think in conflict there should ever be screaming, uh, throwing things, losing our temper, uh, cussing one another, or calling each other names. Name Those calling, are things yeah. that we think are out of bounds when it comes to conflict. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we do get a little bit of a tone, but we try real cautious to to hold that in. 
um, and try not to use that tone very often. Uh, what you don't want to do in marriage is always have a tone because if you do, your spouse won't know when you're when it's a big thing or a little thing because yeah. you always have a tone about everything. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, conflict is a part of marriage and sometimes you have to have it. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just sit down and shoot straight with your spouse. Yeah. And, and, and I hear from a lot of people sometimes that go, well, I've been dropping hints to him or, you know, I've been trying to hope he'll connect the dots. And I keep saying, man, you're wasting your time. Quit trying to drop hints and connect dots. Just tell him or tell yeah. her what you think. Will that get them upset? They might get a little aggravated. But if you want to get to a point to where you can find some peace in this conflict, then yeah. It's got to get done. So other than the ground rules, and I love those too. I mean, those are those are necessary. Other than the ground rules of what kind of we both agree not to do, do you have anything that you would say to maybe the Trey Morgan in the first five years of marriage that could have maybe prevented you from having some hard life lessons in marriage? Like, did you could you look back on that guy and say, Hey man, uh, you're you're going to need to probably not do this and do this instead, type of thing. Absolutely. Number one, I would tell myself, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Don't 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 pick on your wife. Don't annoy. Don't don't go out of your way to annoy your wife, and <laughs> and be nice. Uh, because sometimes I'm a very sarcastic. I I was raised in a family full of sarcasm is thick in my family. And I've raised four boys. that has got a lot of sarcasm and, and early in marriage, I could be a little, man, I could throw out those little digs at my wife, you know, or something. And, and it just caused conflict. Now I look back and I go, you idiot, you know, you just were causing problems in your marriage when just be nice, you know, that helps a whole lot more than being a jerk anytime. And, uh, you, you know, in life in general, yeah, uh, I don't care who it is. If you learn to just be nice, uh, you get a whole you you get you get a whole much better life with niceness than you do being crazy. a jerk or being rude. It's Whether so you're crazy, over man. By a police officer or you know sitting in an airport and your flight got canceled, man, you be nice and they'll go out of their way to help you. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you and me, our marriages, us as personalities, mirror each other really. Uh, a little bit uncanny to how much they mirror. Like you're, you're hitting, you're, you're reading my mail, and and my wife and I've had several conversations about that that, that the kids are picking up on, and then they're replicating the sarcasm or the. And I think it's the whole. We feel like we need to be funny. We think we need to be clever. We think we need to have the upper hand. We need to be this. We need to be that. Man, yeah. that's not attractive. So even back to that whole intimacy thing, that's not going to get her in the bedroom, guys. Um, I'm, I'm talking to myself. Uh, okay, so. I like that. Those are good. Um, how do you, so with conflict, staying on a little bit on the conflict side, a little bit um, parenting and, and staying unified. I think a lot of people have a lot of the conflict comes from maybe I want to deal with the kids this way. And maybe you want to deal with them this way, or maybe this is what you saw growing up and this is what I lived. And this is my way or the highway. Like, did you guys ever have to deal with some of that? Or did you just have, it established on the front end before you ever got knee deep in the fire. Well, we, we, uh, we started having kids pretty early in marriage. And so we, we started early trying to figure out how do we discipline kids? Um, I would say that uh, you've got to be unified. The number one rule of marriage is always have your spouses back. Yeah. Uh, always have your spouses back. And that means, so, and especially if you're in a blended family uh, where there's mm -hmm. kids that are his kids and her kids and maybe our kids, yeah, man, you have your spouses back and you guys stay, stay as a team. I grew up in a blended family. My family was a little bit different than uh, uh, most blended families. I, my dad died early in, in life with cancer. Um, my dad now that, that my, my mom married, um, his wife was killed in a, in a car accident. And so we blended a family. Mm -hmm. And I was so young that I really don't remember family without them. So it was an early blending thing. But I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, I don't ever remember you and mom not agreeing on something as, as parents. Um, and and y'all were so unified on stuff. How did you do that? And he said, he said, we made a rule that when we didn't see eye to eye on something, we would go for a walk. And we had a park right across the street from us with a walking path. And he said, we'd go on a walk and we would make a, a rule that said we wouldn't come back until we kind of got together and figure out how to do this. 
And, and it hit me. I could remember early in their marriage, they did so much walking together. And I, and it just is kind of like the bulb came on. And I said, that's why y'all were always going walking and you'd tell all of us to stay at the house. And he said, exactly. Yeah. But he said, we wanted to be unified. We wanted to do the right thing. And even early in marriage, when I thought, well, I don't know who this new dad is here. Uh, my mom will take my side. You know, mom was like, hey, we are going to respect your new father or the man that yeah. I'm married to. They always had one another's back. And I just think that is that is so important that um, you don't mm-hmm. you don't take it. You know, if, if one of my boys would have talked rude to to Lee, I would have jumped right in the middle of them and said, that is not going to happen. We are not going to talk to her like that. Yeah. I don't talk to her like that. Yeah. And and you're not going to talk to her like that. We used to have a joke. Uh, they can still quote it. When they were little, I'd say, hey, I, I brought you into this world and I can take you out That's of this right. world. And we'll make another one just like you. We won't even miss you if you talk to your mama <laughs> like good. that. That's and, perfect. Uh, That's and, great. And, yeah, so they they learned early that, uh, you know, we yeah. were going to treat mom a different way because, uh, you know, she was somebody a little different than them as boys to a, a female. That's good, man. And I know I'm with you. My kids know that the quickest way to get dad into a raging lunatic is to disrespect their mother. And hopefully that gets passed down to them, you know, to their kids. I mean, that's to me, that's just biblical. I don't know. I, I can't agree. The scripture, I agree. But it's biblical. Well, one of the proudest moments I had as a dad was when my son probably was at mid-20s, 23, 24. We were going somewhere and we were running behind and I was trying to get them to hurry up. We got to go. We're going to be late. And I took a little bit of a tone with Lee to because I was trying to get her to understand, hey, I think we got to go. And I took a little too much tone. And my oldest son made eye contact with me and said, no, we're not going to talk to her like that. That's not how you've raised us. And I remember thinking, I am proud of that kid. Wow. Yeah. Just told his dad, you know, we don't talk to mom like that. That's so and good. and I don't I can't think of a a moment that's made me more proud than that one when he told me to, hey, step back a little bit, calm yeah. down. You that's know, good. we're not gonna talk to mom like that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's a picture of what good looks like that, you know, the the fruit from your from what you put in, the work you put in. So, all right, here as we as we get uh, down here to the end, we stay on the outline. I can't believe it. Uh, community is the last C, but and, and this one's a little different when you talk about marriage and relationships. Like community rarely finds its way into the conversation. But I think talk to me about the importance of spouses kind of having their own group too, like having an outlet, having friends outside, you know, having a group of girls that your wife does things with or a group of guys that maybe you can bear your soul in ways that maybe the the wife isn't, you know, wired to hear all of our problems. I still contend that we're not supposed to dump all our baggage on them. Um, so talk about community in that way and, and the importance of friends and just uh, outlets for each other and kind of some away time even. Yeah. Well, I think community is important and I wasn't sure what direction you were going to go on it. <laughs> I think there's, I think community is important in a sense of, of having couples also that you can rely on. For for example, Lee and yes. I have a, Lee and I have a, a couple that are probably 20 years ahead of us in life. They've ra- they actually raised four kids, four boys like we did. Yeah. And and they they serve as community to us sometimes as mentors that we can yeah. go to how did you do this? When when our last kid left the home and and all of a sudden we were empty nesters after 30 years of raising kids, we were like What do we expect? What's going to happen here? Because they've been there. And so I think it's extremely important in community that you have other couples that you can rely on. Surround yourself with other couples with healthy marriages. Um, In fact, if you got a if you got a couple that uh, is, is, you know, he he talks bad about his wife or she talks bad about her husband and and they hate marriage. That's probably not the couple you're going to want to spend a lot of time with uh, because they're not going to build you up. They're going to tear you down. So be cautious about that. At the same time, it's important that uh, Lee takes off on days and she'll go, hey, we're headed out of town to go shopping with the girls. And I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do. I am glad you've got some friends. You'll go shop. You know, and there are times that I take off and I'll go do whatever it is that I like to do and hang out with the guys. And she's good with that. It's it's healthy for us to have some time, sometime away from each other, not all the time. No time together. 
but we have, we both have good friends that uh, she's got friends that are ladies. I got friends that are guys. We can talk to them, tell them what's on our heart. Um, you yeah. know, I've got a couple of close friends that man, I can go to about absolutely anything and they'll shoot straight with me. I want, I want men in my life who are going to, who are going to call me on the carpet for when I'm, I'm not doing something I need to do mm-hmm. or in my marriage, in my life, in my faith. And those are some men you need in your life. You don't always need yes men. And yeah. I've got a couple of guys that will call me out and go, Hey, 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 you can't do this. Yeah. And I need that. <clears throat> Get yourself some guys in your life who are going to shoot straight with you when you need somebody to hold you accountable. That's right. That's right. And and again, to clarify some of the framework, framing that question that I had, and, and I like the way you went with that first, because I think I would eventually have gotten there. But the context as to what I was getting at was, I think sometimes part of my problem in marriage has been being Mr. Advice guy, Mr. Fix-It guy. I'm here for all of your needs, every single problem I'm here to fix. And and sometimes, just like coaching your kids in baseball, they just need another voice telling them the same thing. And so that I think there's something to be said for maybe one or two close friends that can sort of either reinforce what you've been telling her or him, you know, him, or they can give her, her a, you know, women get women. They can give her an insight that you maybe a you different can't. perspective. Yeah, that's, that's right. healthy. That's extremely that's right. healthy. And, yeah. and and as you mentioned, I could tell my kid 52 times, don't have a batting stance like that, and they're going to ignore me. And the first time another guy comes and says, do it this way, they're going to go, hey, Dad, look what I learned today. Never like, heard that before. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. So it's healthy to hear things from other people. Yeah. Very, yeah. very healthy to do So that. good. So good. All right, before we go, man, talk about your workshops. I can't believe – I mean – your book two two and a half years out. That's incredible. Um, talk about maybe some other ways if they can't get to you and, and maybe they're going to get your book, but is there any other resource online that they can access? Talk about how to find you. Yeah, we're at, uh, we're at Trey and Lee.com. That's our, that's our landing page that will take you to our workshops, our books, our, you can find everything from Trey and Lee.com. And if you go, I don't know how to spell Trey and Lee.com. If you'll just Google Trey and Lee, uh, you will find us. I promise. Uh, but you can go there and you can find out information on where we're going to be. Uh, you can look up all our dates and, and locations that we're going to be in the next two years. We kind of keep it about two years out. And uh, we have we have a podcast we do every other week. We have about 100 episodes that cover every marriage topic that you could ever think of, uh, which is it's free. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you're a, a married person and you love your marriage and want a better marriage, I'm like, why are you not listening to uh marriage podcasts? They're free. Yeah. Um, and you and don't I have a book. I don't read. You don't have an excuse if you don't read. Right. That's exactly right. You know, yeah. I mean, there are good books out there and I'd say read a book because yeah. that's healthy. For but sure. hey, if you don't read a book, man, listen to a podcast. Lee and I yeah. driving down the road the other day, listening to a lady's podcast, talk about marriage and and man, we had some fantastic discussion mm-hmm. uh, that came from that. That yeah. I was like, I never have thought about it that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, we have a podcast. You got a podcast yeah. everywhere. Take advantage of some good marriage podcasts. Um, you can find topics on absolutely anything. If you got issues in your marriage, not only is there probably a podcast episode done on it, but a book's been written on it. Right. Um, yeah. And, and whether your marriage is good great or fantastic, it can be better. And so right. don't ever settle for, you know, whatever it is, spend some time, build mm-hmm. that marriage. Just going to, just like, if you want a good body, you got to work out. If you want a smart mind, you got to read books and study. And if you want a good marriage, you got to go to work. Work uh, on it. That's right. You're not going to gonna wake up tomorrow and have a good marriage because you won't. Yeah, that's good, man. And and your website link will be in the show notes, and I'll probably put in even a book, uh, Amazon maybe link to to where your books are. And uh, man, it's been it's been a blessing to get to know you. It's been awesome. I knew it was going to be good, and you didn't disappoint one bit. Uh, so, audience, I know you got better today. I think just again, application is where the progress is. And so, doing the work, taking the steps, start today. With that, he's been Trey Morgan. We've been last in line. Be blessed.